Arts, Lifestyle, SNS Online. And welcome to SNS Online and our very first show of our 10th series. Who would have thunk it? Today we feature a British Army veteran turned pop star. And no, we're not talking James Blunt. You're beautiful. Give it up, mate. <clears throat> since travelling the world performing music with the band of a corpse of royal engineers, our guest has since graduated from television's The Voice and explored a number of different musical styles before embracing his inner country and western. Since then, he's produced a tidy collection of beautifully crafted toe-tapping tracks and even made nominee for Best Country Singer of the Year and Best UK Country Radio Song of this year. So let's take a listen to some of his work. Used to be insane Used to be a mess We used to have our hands tied behind our backs We worked so hard for such a little chick We never had a thing Nobody gave a damn even though we had our ups and downs We always do we get there in the end But we worked it through With two kids and a radio Me and you Was all I'd ever need Way back when the years just sifted on of a fireworks show Your arms, my arms Wrapping around side, never letting go Your eyes, my eyes Seeing the same sunset and sunrise Baby, if you do Want to take a little me And add a little me Ladies and gentlemen and all they thems Give it up for country and western music maestro Preston D. Barnes So Preston D. Barnes, quite a journey to have got to where you are, an ex-soldier, etc. It turns out you're the second James Blunt. Oh. <laughs> well, do you know what? You're not the only person to say that, actually. Uh, <laughs> I think he's the only ex-soldier, isn't he, that's actually done something in music, really. Yeah. Well, uh, to any kind of degree, really. Do you know what I mean? That but we're aware of, anyway. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's, it's amazing how many times I go out gigging and people say, oh, "Are you the next James Bond?" <laughs> it is true. Yeah, but amazing you, you picked up on that. But clearly, your your own animal, as it were, and, uh, and and producing very, I would say, delicious music, delicious vibes, country vibes, which I love. And I've got to say, congratulations, Preston. You've just hit over a million playlist listeners on Spotify, which is, I mean, oh my god, that's quite an achievement. <laughs> I know, and and you know what? This has never happened before. Mm. Um, it, it's a strange thing, isn't it? This this Spotify um, and the kind of sharing of music on playlist thing. It, it really does work, mm. and um, absolutely. And since this new record's come out, it, it seems to have landed on quite a lot, which is amazing for us. I know he left you and he hurt your bed, and he took you to a whole new level of seven. You, I think you're never gonna be alright. It's like a movie that ends before you want it to Nobody understands what you're going through And it seems like it's you against the world tonight You swear you're never gonna love again But you will, so let me tell you When your tears are finally dry And your soul comes back to life Put your kiss in overdrive Send it my way when you're ready When you're hurting starts to heal And you're feeling all the what was sort of influencing you musically when you were younger to steer you in the direction of this country vibe which we're now enjoying in your tracks <laughs> um well i was classically trained actually okay um i started playing piano at 15 oh, that's, um, that's, that's actually quite late isn't it it is actually. I mean, yeah. but because usually people, you know, you you get forced into it age five, kicking and screaming. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And my mum refused to force me to do anything really, apart oh. from do my homework after school. Good for her. Um, but um, but yeah, she bought me a keyboard for Christmas when I was when I was kind of quite young, and I didn't really take to it straight away. Mm. Um, but um, I, I kind of picked it up at fifteen years old. Uh, joined a band at 15 up, up here in the glorious sunshine of the north <laughs> um, and then you know I kind of went round the, the, the bass circuit of all the working men's clubs at 15 and started the trade then really yeah. but I, I did I, I am actually classically trained so I did all my grades on piano and all that stuff okay um, then it just kind of went from there and then I just moved over to to pop music and and rock music, really, generally, is what I grew up with, with my parents. And then country arrived. When the weight of the world gets way too heavy When the cold wind is blowing at your back I will rush in if you're stumbling Never let you fall like that Well I hate to see the pain that you've been suffering And I hate to see the sadness in your eyes You can lean on, on my shoulder I'm gonna get you through this time I will get you through Through the battles you've been facing You know I'll be here waiting 
I've always loved country anyway, um, because it's 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 real music. It tells a story. It's true, um, and they do say, don't they? Three chords and the truth is what they say um, with with country music. But um, yeah, I've always loved it, and and, and the modern up to date country like Chris Stapleton and Luke Combs and people like that um, has really kind of hit home with me. And I was um, I wanted to do a bit of that, yeah. and um, and it was only kind of eighteen months ago that um, we decided to to venture into doing country as such. I've been in music all my life, but yeah. but 18 months ago, the country thing started in and, the studio. And of course, um, you know, country is big in this country, uh, as, as well as America, where it connected to. And just one thing I, I do have to add, because it's funny, we're all clearly aware that you're very British, particularly with that accent. And yet your music, which is fantastic, by the way, fits the country vibe like a glove and is so synonymous with America. Does that ever become a bit of an eye-rolling problem when some people <laughs> feel you have to live in Nashville and have several messy breakups with past girlfriends and drive your car over a ravine escaping Please, except for, you know, I, I can't imagine a country music song talking about being dumped one night at the Chippy in Birkenhead, to be honest, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no. And the amount of people that speak to me and say, are you going to talk about a truck in your next song? <laughs> or beer or whiskey or something like that. Um, no, it, it, I, do you know what? I always say to people, wet, wet, wet. We all remember wet, 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 the band. They yeah. were really, they were Scottish, quite broadly Scottish. Mm. And when they sing a song, they don't sound Scottish at all. No. Um, and it's a strange thing, isn't it, with your accent? But <clears throat> it, I get that question all the time because I'm quite quite broad from up here, really. Um, and they say, you don't sound like that, but you kind of fit into the American genre of country. It's really yeah. strange how you yeah. do that. And it's all down to production, really, and how you how you, how you pronounce your words. I don't. Yeah. I clearly don't pronounce my words like I'm doing now. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because Jodie Whittaker, of course, did a, um, a cover of Yellow, um, Coldplay's track, but did it yeah. in her own accent, and it and it actually worked really really well. Um, I just can't sing Northern. It could be a subgenre though that we haven't explored yet. You could be the <laughs> the innovator. <laughs> you may be the founder of this. Yeah. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> right. I want. I want ten percent. <laughs> I was a musician in the army for some time as well. Um, okay. So the um, best way to describe it, I suppose, is, you know, the, the guards' bands marching up and down outside Buckingham Palace. Mm. Um, that's what I did. Um, wow. You know, that type of thing. I travelled all over the world doing that. And um, when you first join the military, they train you up classically um, and you do all your, you know, your history of music and all that stuff. It's almost like a degree course, really. Okay. And they teach you up to kind of session musician standard, really, on whatever instrument that you play, which is great because not only is it free training, but you get to travel the world doing it as well. Um, and I did that for 16 years and then I moved over and I was an instructor for people that joined the army when they're 16 and all that stuff mm -hmm. um, and did a bit of chemical weapons stuff and physical training instructor and all this type of 
things that you do when you're in a military, you delve in and out of different things. Mm, yeah. um, and I ended up doing 22 years. So I, I suppose the latter end of my career, it was more of a hobby because I wasn't physically doing music for the last kind of eight or nine years, really. Um, and that's when I really wanted to start venturing in and thinking about what I'm going to be doing when I leave the job. Um, and, you know, there was a few things that happened before I left um, that kind of helped along the way, I suppose. Okay. Because, of course, the army have have a certain sort of shelf life, don't they, when they you, you can re- sort of retire at a reasonable age and still have uh, plenty of <laughs> uh, plenty of time for a, a whole new career. And, obviously, you've been... Doing my, so much. My sell-by date was up. Um, <laughs> I was trying to definitely. put it. I was trying to put it a bit more subtly than that. <laughs> but clearly, it's true. yeah. But I mean, clearly, you you got so much previous with all this fantastic experience, and then you got the time to um to focus on it full time. Yeah, and it's. I think that's a great thing. You know, you do a career like that, uh, you get all your experience. You've got a lot to talk about, and um and that's great for songwriting actually. Yeah. Um, you know, the amount of different countries that we go to and experiences in each place. Um, and um, and that's what I've been doing. I've been I've been writing stories about my experiences, which is great. And you must have a lot of stories to tell. Tell us about the voice. When a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind He trade the world for the good things he finds. When this man loves, when this man loves a woman, yeah, I give you everything. Oh my God, yeah, it was crazy experience. It was a crazy experience. Uh, that that was all just for a bit of a joke, you know. Okay. Initially, um, I was in Germany one night with the lads in the army and we, we I did a karaoke competition and I just ended up winning it. Now, we'd all had a few drinks, so as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a couple of weeks after that, the voice was really starting to heat up on TV. Uh, it was in its early stages, really. Was it Holly Willoughby doing it then? Uh, no, no. Okay. I, I went on season five, so it, oh, it okay. had had a few seasons. Sure. But it was kind of starting to heat up, and and the, you know, the the bravado behind the show was really good, and and I quite like the concept of them not seeing you before you, you know, before they turn round and mm. all that stuff. Mm. Um, and the lads just said, "Go on, just have a go, see what happens. You never know." Mm. Um, so I did. I, I applied, and I did the whole queuing up outside Wembley thing. Um, I did all that, and I, I kind of did. The, I wasn't scouted in any way. I just. I just queued up like everybody else does. Mm. Um, and it took about seven months, really, from start to finish to get onto the TV stages. Um, and I ended up getting down to the last 26. It was absolutely crazy. That is brilliant. That is so amazing. A question about The Voice, because obviously there's stuff coming up about The X Factor now and how people's mental health wasn't really um, looked after properly. How do you feel you were looked after on The Voice. Was it quite a different vibe from X Factor? Yeah, um, I know quite a few people that have done The X Factor, actually. Um, and I'd, obviously, I know a lot that's done The Voice as well. Mm. Uh, in my experience, bearing in mind, I was 37 years old when I went on there. So sure. it was a little bit more life experience up, I suppose, yeah. if you want to put it like that. I was a little bit more wise. Um, but um, we got trekked really well, you know. 
um, right from start, right through to the finish. Uh, I think the brutal part of a show like that is if you do end up leaving the show and you don't win it at any stage, you're kind of out the back door and that's it. It's You're almost sitting in a taxi or your car on the way home going, what's just happened to me there? Mm. Um, and that's the bit. And I always say to people that do these shows, you, you can't expect to be successful in music just because you've done a show like that. Mm. Yes, it's a great platform, but you've got to keep pushing afterwards. And I've been pushing now for, what, six years constantly. Mm. Um, and yes, it's a different genre of music, but it, it's all about push, push, push and, and keep getting your music out there and keep growing your audience. And, it, and it'll work eventually. Mm. Um, and a lot of people, I suppose, a younger generation just expect it to happen, but mm. but it really doesn't. Yeah. But I, honestly, I, w- I was trek. Like, like a diamond on that show they, they're really really good they were that's lovely to hear that's really good snsonlineshow.com your one stop shop for all things SNS take a tour through our wide and diverse collection of shows and listen in to our exclusive range of in-depth interviews spanning the popular arts featuring actors writers journalists stand up comedians musicians and more. SNSonlineshow.com, your one-stop shop for all things SNS. Here I am, standing on your front porch, girl, I can't stand waiting anymore. You pull me in, one touch and I'm gone. I know it's wrong, but baby, it's on. So much chemistry between the two of us Repeating history can be dangerous But I keep coming back and coming back To your poison, I think it's bad to watch your have It's destroying every single part of me I'm craving you on me It's more than just a mistake That silhouette is driving me crazy The taste intoxicating With that look nobody could blame me, baby But I keep coming back, coming back To your poison I think it's bad to watch you have It's destroying every single part of me I'm craving Chemistry between the two of us Repeating history can be dangerous
Preston D. Barnes and Poison. You're listening to SNS. So, Preston, what was the next stage for you after The Voice? Well, I was approached by uh, Mark Wickenden, who owns Sonic Boom Records, and um, he's, he's a small record label in the UK, um, or he was initially. Um, and he approached me to do a charity single for Help for Heroes, um, which kind of linked into my old career at the time. Of course, um, yeah, brilliant. So, you know, we went ahead and did that, and we did it for, um, you know, Help for Heroes and a couple of other military charities as well. And it worked really well. Um but we soon found out that actually, you know, come on, I, I was 37 years old and I'm, I'm I'm kind of a little bit too old for pop music, really. <laughs> You're never too um, old, mate. Well, yeah, well, it is. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I don't... I, at the time, I, you know, I wasn't in the tracksuits and trainers and, and the, the cool caps and all that type of stuff. I, it just became really clear to me that I was a little bit older. Mm. So you know, what kind of genre of music do you go into when you still want to pursue a music career? Um, and I was studying in a studio one afternoon and because I, I like country music anyway, I was singing Tennessee Whiskey from um, Chris Stapleton, uh, just, just mucking about in the studio. And Mark came in and said, let's just record that. I like that. Um, so we did, we recorded a cover of it and, um, and that's where country was born for me, really. That's amazing. And and it just went from there, and it's been a whirlwind since. It really has. That's wonderful. I love the way these things could just spark out of... Yeah, because, you know, yeah. some people take years to find which genre of music sits well with their mm. voice mm. Um, and their image and their story and all that, you know. Um, and quite clearly, I've got a bit of a backstory going on with the military stuff and, and the voice and all that. Um but uh, it just it just works for me, and uh, and actually country music they don't care how old you are they don't care if you you know you're fat thin cool not cool it's all about the music and and that's that's good for me. Yeah, I've known heartbreak and I've known lonely. I ain't gonna lie, and I've known drinking for their own reasons and afraid to. That in the stare is strength So I tell myself there's no giving up Long as I got a heart inside Until the day I die I still believe in crazy love Whoa, I still believe in crazy love Tell us about your connection with Steve Dorff. Just to uh, tell people, Grammy Award-winning and songwriter Hall of Fame inductee, previously written for such luminaries as Celine Dion, oh my God, Barbara Streisand, oh my God, oh my God, um, loads <laughs> of us, Kenny Rogers, Whitney Houston, Garth Brooks, yeah. we could go on and on. I mean, wow. Yeah, the guy is an absolute living legend. He really is. Um, and uh, actually, Mark, my producer, has worked with Steve before with another British band that went over there. And um, that's how he's, that's how the connection came real, I suppose. Is it a band you can mention, the other band? Yeah, they're a band called Essex County, and they're also a country band in this in this country. Okay. Um, and they've done really well over the years. Uh, they've done a few things with Steve. 
uh, you know, years gone by. Um, but uh, because he, he had that working relationship with him, Mark just sent over a cover version via MP3 to his computer and said, look, you know, just have a listen to this, see what you think. And Steve said, I love his voice. Um, and he sent us a song over. He said, you know, you can, you can record this for me if you want. Uh, and that song was Add a Little You, which is my first single that we released last May, last year. Mm, lovely, it is um, too. And just to have that, you know, that opportunity to record something for him, bearing in mind, you know, who this guy's written for before as well. Um, oh, and just just so you know, I, I'm, I'm a massive Rocky fan, okay. right? And he wrote part of the Rocky Four theme tune, so it was a done deal for me. Oh, wow. I had to get involved with this. So, yeah, we recorded Add a Little You, and, um, and uh, he absolutely loved it. And we've been working with him ever since. I want to add a little rain to this Saturday So we don't gotta get out of bed I want to add a little wine to an empty glass Get it going to our heads I want to add a little smile to your pretty face Keep it there all night long I want to add a little chill to the back of your neck A little everything you want I want your lips, my lips Meeting at the top of a fireworks show Wrapping around side, never letting go Your eyes, my eyes Seen the same sunset and sunrise Baby, if you do want to take a little me And add a little you We've been working with him now for over a year um, it's, just a, it's just crazy and We went to his house when we went to Nashville in, in May um, just seeing all the gold discs and the platinum discs all mm. over the wall. It's just such a surreal experience, you know. Oh, that must have been amazing. Oh, it's amazing, amazing. I mean, I sat at his piano in his studio um, that I believe Whitney Houston sat at. Wow. It's just mind-blowing, you know. Um, so, yeah, bring on the opportunities, I say, because um, this, guy's, this guy's amazing. Was he the guy who then established you more in that genre? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's, he's given us um, some extremely good contacts over there. Mm. Uh, and clearly we're working with Steve and releasing some of his songs. Now, uh, coincidentally, Steve's son is called Andrew Dorff. Um, and Andrew Dorff was quite a prolific songwriter in America. Um, uh, he passed away about five or six years ago, uh, quite a young age. Oh. So Steve... Uh, I mean, Andrew's written for Rascal Flatts and um, Keith Urban and all sorts of people. Mm. Um, so, the, you know, they're a songwriting family. Yeah. And, and for Steve to give to give us some of Andrew's songs, I think that's quite, oh. that's quite you know, I mean, it's quite a big thing for that, Steve to do that. That's really, that's very personal, isn't it? And um, there's yeah, a real is. stamp yeah. of authenticity and the fact that uh, he... he clearly values you as, as uh, both as, as a as a talent and, and presumably as a friend. Yeah, exactly. And, and we FaceTime him and talk to him all the time. And, um, you know, you, you sit here and I think, wow, we've only been doing country music for kind of 18 months, really. Mm. And, we, and we're, we're getting all these opportunities. So, you know, I mean, why, why would you say no to things like that? Absolutely. You, you just can't, can you? No, absolutely. <laughs> Scratch and sniff. With Nick Randall. So tell us about uh, Send It My Way. 
So yeah, Send It My Way is uh, another one of Andrew Dorff's songs. Um, and Steve really, really wanted us to record this. So um, we recorded it in this country. We sent it back to him. He was really happy with it. And he said, you, your vocals are stunning on this. It's probably the best one you've done so far. Um, and then we went out and recorded a music video in the heart of Nashville, which was amazing. Um, and um, yeah, Steve's really, really loving this one. Um, so again, you know, we produced it in this country. Mark, Mark produced it in our studio um, solely, solely with our musicians and from my band. But um, away we go. And, and this is the one that's, I think, made a real impact, you know, after six singles previously. Um, this is the one that's done it, I think, which is which is amazing. I know he left you and he hurt your bed And he took you to a whole new level of seven you I think you're never gonna be alright It's like a movie that ends before you want it to Nobody understands what you're going through And it seems like it's you against the world tonight You swear you're never gonna love again But you will, so let me tell you When your tears are finally dry And your soul comes back to life Put your kiss in overdrive Send it my way when you're ready When your hurting starts to heal And you're feeling all the fears Put your heart on wheels Send it my way when you're ready Send it my way That dress and miss those heels Wanna look your best Then it hits you You needed something new You get tired of being a homebody And you wanna be somebody, somebody again I know just the guy for you You fell out but you fall back in I wanna be there when you do When your tears are finally dry And your soul comes back alive Put your kiss in overdrive Send it my way when you're ready When you're hurting starts to heal And you're feeling all the feels Put your heart on wheels Send it my way when you're ready Send it my way You got my number Send it my way You know where I live Send it my way We'll roll it on over Bring it on over Remember I told you Send it my way Tell us about some of your highlights since all this has um, kicked off. I mean, I, I, I know you've performed the National Anthem live at Twickenham Stadium for the is yeah. it Army versus the Rugby match, and uh, that was shown on Sky Sports, and well, various yeah. others do, do list them. Yeah, and um, I've done things like um, Terry Wogan's radio show live, BBC Two radio, I think that was a, in a London theatre, that was amazing. Oh, did um, you get to meet Terry? I got to meet Terry. Good He's a lovely for you. Guy. He was a sweetheart, wasn't he? He was such a lovely guy. Yeah, yeah. and that's the only time I got to meet him as well. But um, yeah, I, I was chatting to him and in the green room. I had a really good time there. Um, I've done the national anthem at Wembley as well for the FA Cup final. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, the, you know all these different opportunities of working with different people. Um, but but I have to say. Um, you know, parking all the, those kind of bigger events aside, going to Nashville and, and singing live out there, certainly for what I'm doing now, is that that just blew me away. Mm-hmm. It really blew me away. And and, and I, 
I don't know why, but it was the reception that you get. And I think it's because you're British. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. How did they, you know, were, were you considered an outsider because we, we weren't American? <laughs> yeah, because I was always fearful of releasing country music and the Americans thinking, well, this guy's trained to be American. <laughs> and he's, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah of course. But, and a lot of people have that fear. Mm. But actually, um, when they get to know you and they know your backstory and all that, um, it, it's just the fact that you're a you're a British guy, and clearly I'm a I'm a veteran as well, which they love. Mm. Um, with this really broad Manchester accent, and and then all of a sudden you're singing country music and you don't sound anything like it, which I suppose yeah. goes back to what we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, and and they just loved it. It was great. We got we got a really really warm welcome and. Um, I'm looking forward to going back. Oh, Can't that, wait. That's so lovely. And it's 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 to be honest, it's a bit like um, say you lose your accent a bit. Say you live in London for a long time, but when you go back to wherever part of um, England you you come from, the accent comes back, and you sort of you sort of <laughs> yeah. you're chameleon like and to, to fit in with different um, different uh, groups of people. And I I think that's just we we all do that really. Um, yeah, we in, do. in life, do. not not just with with accents, but in just the way we communicate in, in all sorts yeah, of ways. Yeah, absolutely. We do. I think yeah. that's fine. Yeah, and and it is a completely different way of life over there. You know, if I wore um, if I wore cowboy hat and cowboy boots and wide bell bottom jeans in the UK, <laughs> I'd probably get looked at, wouldn't I? <laughs> probably thought you were a strippergram or something. Yeah, exactly. about Michael J, hit songwriter who's written for Kylie, Gloria Estefan, Debbie Harry, New Kids on the Block, Steps, etc. You're connected with him too, aren't you? Yeah, well, Michael J is a really good friend of Steve Dorff's. Um, when we went to Nashville in May, just gone, uh, we went to a studio with Steve and Michael J. Um, really surreal experience. It, it was the, the music was nothing to do with us. Steve was recording something else for another for another artist over in the US. And we were just invited in to meet people and, uh, and all this, you know. Uh, Michael J was there, Steve was there. And I had a really good chat to Michael. And, um, you know, I said, what, what's your favourite thing that's ever happened in your career? What's your standout moment? Mm-hmm. 
And he just said, well, I loved working with Kylie Minogue in the studio. And, thing, and, and just, you know, when people name drop, yeah, it was a constant name drop. It was ridiculous. And then 10 minutes later, I'm, I'm singing harmonies for one of Steve's new tracks with Michael J and Steve Dorff himself. And just sat at the back of the room putting in third part harmony on this song. It was just crazy. Oh, I thought, that's, that's <laughs> when you one... walk out of that room, I thought, nah, I did not just sing harmonies with two of the probably the biggest songwriters that's ever lived, I suppose, oh, <laughs> in that you, genre, you know. That is just fantastic. That <laughs> is so, ridiculous. so cool. <laughs> So hard for such a little chick We never had a thing Nobody gave a damn And even though we had our ups and downs We always knew we'd get there in the end But we worked it through With two kids and a SNSonlineshow.com, your one-stop shop for all things SNS. So, Preston, thank you so much for chatting to us tonight. Uh, we're going to play out with a collaboration, I believe. Uh, tell us more about it. Yeah, it's called Heartbreaks Better That Way, and it's a collaboration with um, a Nashville female singer, Mariah Dombey, and she does a lot of songwriting for Sony Records. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so she's got quite a lot of contacts as well, which Brilliant. is... And we've made a music video out in Nashville with her. And it's, again, it's it's very different to send it my way. But Yeah, well, good to see how your sound evolves and, and to mix it up with uh, other people as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Excellent stuff. It sounds like a great track uh, for us to play uh, out with. Uh, Mariah Dombe, Heartbreaks Better That Way, uh, uh, featuring Preston D. Barnes. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Preston, uh, for coming on the programme. Uh, it's been an absolute joy chatting to you and uh, listening to your music. And the very best of luck with your fantastic career. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a pleasure. It's not me, it's you, it's words you say. You need some time, you need a place to find yourself somewhere else. Being careful, pick your words. It only makes the cut feel worse. Cause a sweet goodbye is still goodbye. Sugar coating. We're still going I wish you'd slam that door Tell me I'm crazy If you don't love me no more Go on and hate me Say what you need me, what you need me
much you say A heartbreak's better that way Arts, lifestyle, SNS online. I'm going to co-star with Marlon Brando. And she said, oh, darling, how lovely, Brandy Marlow. I must tell Auntie Molly. <laughs> Never heard of him. At lunch, Ian McShane, John Hurt. I said to Ian McShane, what's a gynaecologist? <laughs> and he goes, I know what that is. You know when you have ordnance survey maps and they stick little flags in... That's a gynaecologist. What's your sort of preferred go-to space? Is it theatre or TV, or, or do you not have a I don't. I, I think it's really usually the, the favourite go-to space is really the writing. She read my play, um, told me what was wrong with it, because she was brilliant like that, um, and then said, do you need to go and work with uh, Akebourne? And Alan said to me, Peggy tells me you can write. Would you write me a play? Our impression of the suffragettes, I think, has been skewed by these photographs because press photographers always pick the prettiest girl, prettiest woman, best frock. And I think a lot of people have been misguided in thinking the suffragettes were just middle-class women kind of messing about at politics. I think all good actors are trying to shine a light on what it means to be human, mm. you know, and to look at human behaviour and, and to look at contradiction. I also think sometimes you can get away with doing more with comedy than you can with drama. You know, because if an audience is laughing, then they're listening. Growing up, 
I was starved of any representation in, in books and I would find my sort of characters I could identify with wherever where I could find them. So, you know, I'd read Stephen King or I'd read whoever and I would find other ways of relating to characters but I, I didn't really know that there was such a thing as gay literature or, or gay books. The thing was there was such an emphasis on like medication in the hospital. You know, the, the doctors and, and the nurses, when I said that I felt suicidal and they would react straight away and, you know, I'll oh, take this medication and, and kind of go into this uh, panic. Very little kind of... Uh, talking about what was really going on it was just like you're ill you're really ill and you've got to take this th these medications and we don't know what's going to happen to you and that's it are you enjoying now far more than you were enjoying the height of your success no because at the height of my success i was on private jets and limousines <laughs> and i wouldn't be stuck in a pub with the likes of you <laughs> Well, that's charming, that is. So I had the children in 1978. They were slightly um, premature. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> Sneeze and they were there. Britt Eklund turned and gave me a smile such as you have never seen. I got this wonderful, utter, total attention until she realised I was absolutely no use to her whatsoever and it was all turned off as though the light was... Oh, dead. no! She did make me laugh. How much can you tell us about Mary Poppins and uh, can you succumb to tickling or bribery? Um, neither, because otherwise <laughs> I'll just get a huge smack bottom from Disney. Now, as your voice is your instrument, how do you care for it? How do you care for your voice on a daily basis and do, do you restrict the amount of shows that you do for that very reason? I think as long as you have a good bass technique, you can kind of sing... As much as you as much as you like or need to, as long as you're singing always on the breath, so there's a movement of the breath and the body is engaged in the singing. It just doesn't happen only from the throat. Um, I guess in terms of voice or vocal care, then I I wouldn't go to a loud concert or or a night out and be shouting over the music and things like that in the week leading up to a concert. No, no, perhaps um, not. <laughs> or have twenty no, wood binds. <laughs> and then the door opened, and I went. Blimey, you're Shelley Winters. And she said, and who are you? And I said, I'm Derry Foles. And she put her tongue right down my throat. <laughs> I never saw her again the rest of the evening. We, the jury, find a defendant on the charge of receiving. And then his almighty pause seemed like an hour. Uh, Not guilty. Yes! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I've gripped the brass rail. The judge's face was absolutely puce. I he love was it. as red as a beetroot. You beat he the system. He was so angry, obviously. Now, you have to understand, never in the history of the BBC had there ever been such a thing as a pilot episode. Uh, we didn't do things like that. They, they did that in America, but not here. So to get the chance to do it again was unbelievable. Ah, so you're not dead. Oh, no, I didn't die. No. So you could come back? Mm, I could, I suppose, but I'm not sure if that's likely. But you never know. OK, OK. Well, you know, watch the space, as they say. <laughs> Keep tuning into farm. I mean, Emmerdale. <laughs> <laughs> There's a huge campaign at the moment about representation of older women in particular on screen because uh, we've got a long way to go with that. Mm. You know, it seems to me that, generally speaking, it's either a very sort of elegant, Hampstead-dwelling idea of ageing or it's a working class care home with dementia. Mm, um, dribbling. A lot of people don't realise that acting is our first nature. You know, the moment we're born, often the first thing we do is play peekaboo, you know, with our parents. After a while, we start to enjoy the, the feeling of abandonment because they're going to pop up again and say peekaboo. 
And then from there, we, we develop, you know, things like now you see me, now you don't. And then we start doing hide and seek. And then we start involving other people. And then lo and behold, as kids, we're playing and we're suspending our disbelief and we're using our imagination. And it's our first nature because that's how we learn. Mm -hmm. We learn from observation. We learn that when someone scuffs their knee, um, that, oh, I'll act like my mum does when I scuff my knees. So we start invoking characters. We become the mother. We become the bully. We become the father figure. We become lots of different things. And that's how human beings grow up. I thought to myself, well, if this is a twice-weekly programme uh, and going on throughout the year, um, I should be editor. Mm. So Qu Quite right, Sue. So I gave myself the, the job, as it were, mm. and had it um, on the credits... And nobody queried it. It was extraordinary. I interviewed on the same day Idi Amin, the dictator from Uganda, and Harold Pinto. Difficult for me to say who was the most difficult and intimidating <laughs> of the two of them. Well, I mean, were you in the same room as these people? I was in the same room as Harold Pinto. I oh. wasn't necessarily in, but I, I collected them. That's probably the and best then put choice them together out of the two. As a, yeah, Harold always was, but we became good friends over the years, yeah. and I didn't continue my relationship with Idi Amin, I can tell you that. <laughs> the worst people to interview, if you're a presenter, is another presenter. Because you're then thinking, I know what they're thinking, and you're both playing a kind of strange game. And it's very difficult to play a game with somebody who's also playing a game, and you don't quite know what game they're playing, but you hope that it's sort of on the same court. I read an article recently in The Guardian, and it was about Blue Peter, and it was about me flying a hot air balloon in the Arctic Circle across a frozen lake in Finland. And I thought, I even read it and thought, wow, that sounds amazing. And then I was like, wait, no, I did that. That was my, <laughs> that was my challenge. Do you think that you were the embodiment of, like, quote-unquote, girl power way before it was seen as a thing. I mean, very ahead of the curve, but because you were so totally authentic, you were just getting on with it. It was way ahead of traditional women's lib, in a way. I get asked this a lot. It's only since making my documentary and watching it with an audience that I realised I didn't know what I was doing. I can't pretend I did. I was simply being uncompromising to changing anything about myself and I'm still the same now. Do you at all regret outing Rock Hudson towards the end of his life? I know a newspaper guy came to you and asked, um, simply based on the fact that he hadn't gone out of his way to hurt anybody in the LGBTQ community. Would it be possibly better to have tried to persuade the man himself that he would feel so much better by coming out rather than making that decision for him? Uh, I did try to persuade him, okay. and he wasn't sick early on when I first met him. And uh, we talked about it, and his husband, his partner at the time, said, not until my mother's dead. <laughs> Which I thought was such an odd thing to say, because if I was fucking Rock Hudson, I'd want my mother to know. In fact, I did tell my mother at one point. <laughs> did you? What'd she say? Was she impressed? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big thing these days, I'll just say to this, where people say, I'm just telling the truth. Yeah. No, darling, it's your truth. Mm, yeah. mm. And what we're seeing now is we are asked to form opinions. And I know with opinions, I look at it this way. Is it true? Well, that's impossible these days, isn't it? Is yeah. it true? Well, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do I need to say it? Yeah. And is it kind? Are you religious at all? Not even slightly. <laughs> Have been, but something happened to make me a little bit sceptical about all the various answers to the questions we pose about what life is about and how it started and 
when will the world end and what happens after death? And I, I couldn't find any answers to that. I once went on to a programme and next to me there was a um, quite uh, fanatical Islamist and in the audience there was an equally fanatical Zionist and they started to get at each other. And after a while I was asked my view and I said thinking people were going to throw things at me, if I were God I think I'd ban religion. And I got a round of applause. I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, whether or not you have faith, what is happening in the name of faith is sometimes really evil. Lots of memories all this time. Bush House, of course. Let's yes. talk about that. Yes, yes, an incredible building. And my department insisted that uh, we should sleep there overnight. The shifts uh, encompassed a break in them overnight, uh, four or five hours of nothing. What on earth are you meant to do? Well, they provided some beds um, in very inappropriate places. It was a good idea to provide the bed, but actually must also provide the conditions in which to sleep in it, which they did not. Um, and they were in terribly cold rooms always very uncomfortable, or they were in the dormitory. <gasps> what a horrendous experience the dormitory was. It was like a hospital ward with individual cubicles with curtains oh around each God. bed. And a lady came and woke you up when it was your time <laughs> and shone a torch in your eye. It wasn't her fault she was told to do this. Dreadful. Didn't she sort of shake your foot violently she or something? She your foot to start with to wake you up and then blinded you with your torch. <laughs> OK, Alex, I have noticed, as a strolling player as you clearly are, you brought your guitar with you. Um, tonight, I, I did bring my guitar. Yeah. Are you going to give us a little ditty? I've got a theory that I'm in love. I have so this heart, it beats for you. This mind, it's thinking of you most of the time. The sound of a choir filled my empty ears. This is a love that's true. Hot gingerbread and dynamite. Why do nothing but that each night? Back in like a second, but the fellas shoot back in the women wicky wacky woo. Oh man, how they entertain. I mean, they hurry a hurricane. Back in like a second, but the fellas shoot back in the women wicky wacky woo. And then I got to the 17th floor, and and you managed to get in through an open window. Yeah, and I knew which door their suite was because there was a guard outside. Right. And he was drinking a coffee, and I waited until. He had a call of nature, yes. and the moment he slipped away, I ran, you know, slipped in and knocked on the door. And to my amazement, Yoko answered, oh. and I just said, "Please, can I have an interview for my school paper?" And she said, "Yes." <laughs> and she invited me in, and suddenly I'm face to face with John Lennon. Okay, Toby, we're going to do a Doctor Who mastermind for you. Are you up for the challenge? Yes, I have to, because uh, people say that <laughs> I'm this expert on Doctor Who. I've never said I am. Finish the quote. I'm tired of being an outsider, Doctor. Um, I'll give you a clue. It didn't go well. I want to go home. Um, I want to go back to my own people. Okay, we'll give you that. We'll give oh, you that. Oh, it's Romana, isn't it? No, no, no. no it was it was Adric. Adric. Oh, yes. Who composed March? I'll start this. I'll finish. Who composed March of the Women? Ethel Smythe. Correct. Who wrote stage rights and is also appearing on SNS Online today? Naomi Paxton. Yeah! <laughs> you. Me, sir? Yes, you. Who else is there? You down there, boy. What, me, sir? But I'm just a poor Dickensian orphan from Penny Farthing Lane, sir. Strike a light in the year of our Lord 1800 and twiddly too, sir. If my name's not Van Dyke's dick, sir. Yes, we get the idea. Don't milk it, love. Ah, so here's one. Go on, um, Michel Hussain, 
that marvellous presenter that is at the BBC, I am quoted in her book. <gasps> She's written a book called Skills. And probably the thing that thrilled me most more than anything this year is I went to the launch of the book where not only was I the smallest, but I was also probably the least famous person in the room. It was just kind of <laughs> politicians, the top brass at the BBC oh, and see. me. And she name-checked <gasps> me. Oh, that's wonderful. And I was standing next to Claire Balding at the time and I nudged Claire Balding in the room. And I went, that's me, that's me. <laughs> What, sir? Begging your pardon, sir. But it's Christmas Day, sir. All day, sir. Christmas Day? Yes, sir. And me and my 245 brothers and sisters haven't eaten for five years, sir. And I'd do almost anything for a thrupney farthing grotchet bit, Your Honour. Yes, well, we can discuss that later. So that's probably the most exciting thing in a pink book called The Skills, which is actually a the very skills. good book as well. Uh, about skills? About skills. Is it like holding about... your breath underwater and stuff like that? Because Michelle Hussain would be famous for that, wouldn't she? <laughs> Stand-up comedy meets Alzheimer's and the upside of Hit Me. <laughs> what a what a uh, what do they call it in America? The elevator pitch. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose like, every so every comedian probably wants to write the show for Edinburgh that's a bit miserable. Okay, <laughs> because it just it just connects with what's on the inside of you. Try and make a joke about the thing that upsets you. Celebrating fifteen years of shows, ten as a podcast. You're listening to SNS Online, presented as always by Nick Randall. Okay, so we'll have a lovely introduction, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> react, react, react. And, um, okay. I think you should, I dare you to keep that. Well, <laughs> I'll leave it at the end or something like that. Okay. Uh, right. Right.